Uh, everyone open your Bibles up to John chapter 5. Uh, John chapter 5, ladies and gentlemen. It, uh, it has been a journey. Do you guys agree with me it's been a journey? And I'm not talking about um, the band. Um, pretty good band though. Uh, but no, I'm not talking about the band. It's been a journey as we've been walking through the book of John. Um, and as I say walking, we're really actually not that far. So if you're here for the first time, uh, we're in chapter 5. and We've been working to chapter 5 for, I know this is dark up here, but we've been in John 14 weeks. Um, yes, that, 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 that is the right reaction um, to, I don't know why we're taking so long, but it's awesome. I love it. We were in John when you left, weren't, weren't yeah. we? Yeah, we were in John 1-1, one, one. she goes away to college and comes back, and we're in John chapter 5. Uh, we are cruising, not really at all. Um, so I don't know, because we might actually like, because the book of John's great, and then at the pace we're going, we're going to be at John well over a year. And uh, so we might actually break the book of John up into three different series, and so we might stop the book of John here in the next few weeks, do another mini-series, then hop back into John, then do another series, just to kind of space it out, because we're really, we're really moving slow. But it's good, because there's a lot in there. Uh, last week, uh, just a little bit of um, review. Uh, we talked a lot about mercy last week and what it means to show mercy, what it means to be a merciful person. And if we are going to show mercy, what happens or what we should be expecting when mercy is shown. And then we talked about how in order to serve, in order to be someone who is very merciful, uh, it is key that we are in fellowship. You guys remember that? I talked about being uh, in fellowship, being in church, and how we need church and how church needs us. Uh, and so some really important things there. Uh, but we're going to pick up in verse 16. I'm going to read through um, these next 15 verses or so, uh, and then we're going to pray, and then we're going to dive uh, right into tonight's message. And I don't know uh, how long tonight's message is going to be. I think in my notes it's like eight or nine pages, um, which that could either be 30 minutes or an hour and five. Uh, so you guys flip the coin and we'll see what happens. But this is what it says in John chapter 5, verse 16. It says this, For this reason the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him because he had done these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My father has been working until now and I have been working also. Therefore the Jews sought all the more to kill him because he not only broke the Sabbath but also said that God was his father making himself equal with God. Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father do. For whatever he does, the Son also does in a like manner. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself does. And he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the Son gives life to whom he will. For the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son, that all should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Most assuredly I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Most assuredly I say to you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself. And has given him authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who hear uh, which all who are in graves will hear his voice and come forth. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. I can of myself do nothing as I hear I judge and my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will but the will of the Father who sent me. Dear God, we just pray that Tonight, God, as we look at your perfect word, your perfect law of liberty, uh, God, you would speak to us through your word. Uh, God, we know that your word is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. Uh, God, and since your word is living, God, we pray that it penetrates our hearts. Um, God, that we have a greater understanding of who uh, you are. Um, Jesus, uh, why we believe in you. 
God, why you are who you say you are. Uh, God, that we'd be able to walk away from this place uh, changed. We would be able to walk away from this place encouraged, inspired, God, and challenged by your word. God, I pray that none of these would be my words, but God, that your perfect word would ring out. Uh, God, so we just thank you and we praise you. In your son's wonderful and beautiful name, Jesus Christ, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. How many of you guys have ever been in a situation uh, where there's been a practical situation or a, a practical result uh, but there's also been like the technicality of how to get that result. Um, I heard a story once. Uh, I think this is a good story, so I'm going to use it. Um, there were these like four or five canoers. They were all canoeing, uh, and they were canoeing up under, like coming up to a bridge. How many of you guys have ever gone canoeing before? When I was uh, when I was younger, uh, a lot younger, uh, I used to go on these canoe trips with uh, a group of boys called the Royal Rangers. Okay, if you heard of Royal Rangers, that means you're awesome, and you went to an AG. Yeah, Corey was on those trips. John was on those trips. I even think the Owens were on those trips way back in the day. And we used to canoe the Tualatin River. Um, if you guys know anything about the Tualatin River, this is completely off topic, but I learned this. Um, the Tualatin River uh, actually has its start just in a little spring that bubbles up. And uh, the actual name for the river, we don't use it. We just use the Tualatin Indians' name for it. Um, but it's a long Indian name that literally means slow and windy river. Uh, the Tualatin River is very slow. If you've had, how many of you guys have ever driven on I-205 south headed towards I-5? Um, yeah, you cross over the Tualatin River. Um, after you cross like 10th Street exit, the next bridge you come across is the Tualatin River. And you look down and it's just like super slow and most of the time you can see like green murky stuff just floating on it. Okay, that's how slow this is. So that's where we canoed. You know, like a bunch of like 10 year old boys like canoeing down the river, doing our thing. And uh, we would always come up to the bridge because the house that we stopped at to eat lunch was just on the other side of the bridge. Uh, so I've canoed under a bridge before. Um, that all coming back to the story. There were these canoers and they were canoeing under this bridge. And there was a lot of commotion up on the bridge and the canoers, they looked up because they were trying to figure out what was going on. And this lady had climbed up onto the edge of the bridge and she was going to jump to take her life. Okay? And so this woman's up there and they're like yelling up to her, no, 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 But she does. She jumps. Uh, and she lands in the water, and they rush over to try and save her, um, and, and, and they get to her, uh, and then they're trying to revive her, but, but it's too late. Um, and so it's a sad story, but at the same time, the canoers were doing all this, all this commotion and screaming, uh, because there were a few girls in the bunch, and when they saw it, they freaked out, you know, uh, on the canoes. And so there was another group that was up on the bridge. They saw it and they called the police. And so by this time, the police were getting there. And there was a male police officer uh, and there was a female police officer. And the female police officer went straight over to the women and started consoling them. Hey, I know it's not your fault. It's not your fault. Uh, it's, it's a hard time. But the male police officer, he looks around and he pulls out his ticket book and he starts writing tickets. Because the folks in the canoes didn't have their life jackets. And uh, this guy was caught more on the technicalities rather than the practicalities of saving lives. Uh, and, and he was caught, like focused more on the law rather than life. And uh, Jesus faces this situation right here. Uh, he had just, uh, last week we heard in our story that Jesus had just healed a man on the Sabbath, which is a great thing, okay? And then the Pharisees are like, hey, Jesus, uh, you know it's the Sabbath, uh, and you're not allowed to work on the Sabbath, uh, so that's a problem. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, we really don't like him. We're going to talk in just a few moments how bad they actually didn't like him. Um, but just a little tidbit on the Sabbath. Because um, we're going to just talk about that just really briefly. Uh, God gave the Sabbath to us uh, as a vacation day. Okay? Uh, the Sabbath is yours as a vacation day. Everyone say, or take your finger, point it at yourself, and say, God, God gave, me gave me a vacation day. That's awesome, and I love it. And here's the thing, but this is the crazy thing about vacation days. Uh, a study was done just a few years ago in New York City uh, asking business people and folks on Wall Street um, all about their vacation and like how much vacation time they use because there was a study being done to show the statistics of how many people actually use their vacation time. Because when you work in a big job, they give you some paid vacation. Um, well, over 50%... Over 50% of these New York business people didn't take their paid vacation. They kept working through it. And their excuse was, we were so busy and so tired, we didn't have time to rest. Think about it. So busy, 
so tired that we don't have time to rest. But God has given us this vacation day. The Jews, uh, they made up a lot of rules uh, surrounding uh, the Sabbath. Uh, God said, honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. Uh, Just take it as a rest day. It's nothing more than that. Rest. Sit down. Sit on the couch. Have fun. But the Jews, uh, they made up a lot of rules regarding the Sabbath. You see, uh, sometime during um, the Old Testament period, it's not actually listed in our history in here, but it's okay. Um, some Jewish leaders started getting together and were like, alright, we need to make sure we understand what God is saying when he says the Sabbath and keep it holy. So let's make some rules on how to keep it holy. And they talked about like uh, how many miles you could walk that day, how many minutes you could spend doing this or doing that. And they added, check this out, they added 23 chapters. Uh, not just like rules. 23 chapters to the Jewish handbook called uh, the, uh, the Mishnah, uh, which is an ancient text. You can go look, look it up online and you can actually read the whole thing. It's great. But 23 chapters of that are just rules that were made up by these Jews to try and explain what God was really talking about. But Jesus knew what God really meant. And uh, Jesus actually did a lot on the Sabbath. It was always good when Jesus did stuff on the Sabbath. But one time, as you would remember in the scriptures, Jesus and the disciples, they're walking from town to town on the Sabbath, which is a big no-no already. Uh, and as they're walking, um, there's wheat fields, okay? How many of you guys have seen wheat fields before? Okay, yeah. And uh, you can, with wheat fields, you can like pick the top off and crack it up a little bit. And like the little kernels of grain... Uh, can end up in your hands. And back in the day, they didn't have granola bars or circle case where they could stop. So as they're walking, the disciples are just picking this stuff and uh, winnowing it in their hand and eating the little kernels. So out of nowhere pop these Pharisees. Like that's legitimately how it is in Scripture. And then out of nowhere the Pharisees come up and they say, Jesus, your disciples are breaking the Sabbath. They're walking, they're eating, they're harvesting. It's a bad day. Um, Little bonus note. Uh, this is how the Pharisees are a lot. Uh, but like, think about this. They're walking through the fields, and then I don't know where the Pharisees pop up. Were the Pharisees just like waiting in the field? Like, like <laughs> Halloween's coming up. I know we're getting to the end of October, and like, like some movies start popping in my head with lots of cornfields. And uh, there's some scary things in cornfields. Um, signs, okay? A house in the middle of the cornfield. Uh, aliens in the cornfield. Kind of scary. Uh, well, back in Jesus' time, there weren't aliens in the cornfields, but there were Pharisees in the cornfields, uh, and they popped up. And uh, they just pop up out of nowhere and be like, whoa! And so, uh, that's how much they didn't like Jesus. Uh, But Jesus goes on and proceeds to tell them that the Sabbath uh, was created for man. Man wasn't created for the Sabbath, but that the Sabbath was created for uh, man. Six times, uh, Jesus, uh, in the Gospels, six times Jesus is shown doing good work on the Sabbath. Uh, One time when he's approached by the Pharisees, uh, Corey, come up here and be my Pharisee. This is awesome. I love using Corey as an example because uh, he's a great guy. Did you guys know Corey's a great guy? Yeah, thank you. I heard one clap. Corey's a great guy. Let's give it up for Corey. Uh, Corey did Corey, Corey did fine arts and theater in high school, uh, and he's really good at the whose line is it anyway things. So that's why I pick on Corey. So, Corey, you're my Pharisee, and I'll be Jesus, okay? Um, so, I'm working on the Sabbath. Uh, and you get mad at me for not uh, for working on the Sabbath. Is there wheat that I can pop out of? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pop out of the wheat. It's it's right behind these things. Okay. So I'm Jesus doing my thing on the Sabbath. I just healed a lame man on the Sabbath. And, oh, there's a Pharisee in those things. Now, what are you doing working on the Sabbath? Don't you know it's not allowed? All right. Check this out. Even you, if you had an animal and it fell into a hole... On the Sabbath, you yourself would pull it out of the hole. How much more should we help those who are in need? That's what Jesus said. Give it up for Corey. That's awesome. So Jesus, so Jesus, give it up for me too. No, I'm just joking. Uh, yeah, no, not at all. Uh, so Jesus is like, hey, if your animal fell into a hole, you can go get it. So hey, let's heal these people who are sick. So Jesus always was doing good on the Sabbath, and he was trying to refocus these Pharisees' ideas on what the Sabbath was all about. But these uh, Pharisees, they did not like Jesus at all. In verse 16, look at this, we're going to go verse by verse tonight. Uh, Verse 16 says, For this reason the Jews persecuted Jesus, and sought to kill him, because he had done these things. This word persecuted uh, is not like whipped or beat, or like our common understanding of persecution, like thrown into a uh, den of lions or into a coliseum or burned at the stake or whatnot. Uh, this persecuted means constant harassment. Okay? 
I'm not going to ask Corey to come up here and persecute me while I preach, constantly harass me. Uh, but there's this thing on Facebook. I've never used it, but it's happened to me. And it's called a poke. Uh, I have no clue what that means, but I can only imagine it's like someone coming up and just like poking you. That's constant harassment. Um, and Sam's telling me that's what it is. Okay, good. Constant harassment. Don't poke me, please. Um, and so these folks, uh, uh, they were constantly harassing Jesus. Always in his ear. Uh, wah, 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 wah. Giving him a hard time. But uh, their harassment was to the point where they sought to kill him. This is intense. This is actually the first time in the Gospel of John we see outright hostility towards Jesus. We're five chapters in, and uh, it's taken 14 weeks, but now we're here. Uh, these guys do not like Jesus, and they're getting frustrated. So much so that they actually want to kill him, okay? Let's just say you got mad at someone for the first time. How many of you guys have ever been mad at someone before? Okay, everyone raise your hand or else you're lying, okay? Um, the Bible says don't lie. Um, now, how many of you guys, on your very first time being mad at this person, you legitimately wanted to kill them? Yeah, no, okay, don't raise your hands, because I'm, I'm a mandatory reporter, but no, no, like, like let's, let's think about this, guys. Like, that's not a natural first reaction. You just messed me up, because you parked, okay, like, the whole Sabbath thing, that would be the equivalent of, like, you parked on the wrong side of the street, so I want to kill you. I mean, not even the mafia is that mean, okay? Like, it's crazy stuff. These guys want to kill Jesus, uh, and these guys won't stop. Verse 17 and 18 says this, but Jesus answered them, My father has been working until now, and I have been working. Therefore the Jews sought to kill him even more. Not only because he broke the Sabbath, but also because he claimed that God was his father, and then thus making himself equal with God. That's the title for the sermon. You can't see it up here. But it says, Jesus equals God. So if you're taking notes, which I think you should take notes, the sermon title is, Jesus equals God. And this is part one of a two-week sermon, little thing we're going to do. We're going to break the whole sermon up into two weeks. So this is part one, Jesus equals God. And I have three points for you guys all about why Jesus equals God. Um, And I think it's important. We need to understand who uh, Jesus is. because especially in our culture today, we have so many scholars and so many people who are claimed biblical professionals and liberal scholars who say, well, you know, Jesus never actually claimed to be God. He was a good guy. Uh, he was a good prophet. He did some really good things. But, you know, he wasn't God. That's just a later construct of the church. Okay? How many of you guys have ever heard that argument before? Okay? If you haven't heard that argument yet, you're going to hear that argument, especially when you get to school. Okay? Uh, the further you get in university, the further you get in college, uh, it comes up. They find out you're a Christian, they're like, well, you know, Jesus actually wasn't God. Like, he didn't claim to be God. That's just something that happened later. Here's the thing. Those people kind of missed it, because Jesus says it outright right here. So much so that Jesus' enemies heard it and were like, whoa, you're claiming to be God? Let's try and kill you even more. Uh, so not a very good, good situation here. Um... This is the very first time in the book of John we see this hostility. Uh, the biblical scholar and uh, pastor of a mega church and great writer of great uh, commentaries on scripture, John MacArthur and his commentary on the uh, book of John, he says Jesus' own, uh, he says that this right here is Jesus' own claim to deity and this is the most Christologically important verse in scripture. For those of you who don't know what Christologically means. It means the Christology, the study of Christ. And so uh, this is an important scripture for uh, his deity. Um, So over the next two weeks, we're going to talk really about Christ's divinity. But our first point for the evening is, uh, number one, uh, Jesus' activity proves his divinity. Write that down. Jesus' activity proves his divinity. And we're going to talk about activities. And since we're going to talk about activities, I've never done this before in a sermon, but we're going to do it just because I want to try it out. Good times. I want everyone to stand to their feet. We're going to do some activities. Not really. I'm just going to ask you to do three jumping jacks to get your activity moving. All right. Jumping jacks. On the count of three. Ready? Wesley, stand up. you got to do jumping jacks. All right. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Three... Two, one. 
One, two, three. All right, sit down. That's all activity. Great job. Give yourselves a hand. Pat your neighbor on the back. You are just an active person. Jesus' activity proved His divinity. Verses 16 through 18 uh, label Jesus as not only a Sabbath breaker, but as a God faker. Sabbath breaker and a God breaker. Or Sabbath breaker, God faker. It's, it's crazy rhymes. Uh, so, no, Sabbath breaker, God figure. Sabbath breaker, no, it just comes out crazy. Uh, but Jesus broke the Sabbath, and they say he's faking being God. Uh, but Jesus explains here his activities, and then his dialogue following these activities uh, prove his divinity. Uh, Jesus explains how what he was doing and the works that he was doing uh, was because he is who he is. Uh, Verse 19 says this. It says, Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly I say to you. That's important. Whenever Jesus says most assuredly, I think that's pretty important. And I think we heard it at least three or four times tonight. So this is an important portion of Scripture. It says, The Son can do nothing in and of Himself, but what He sees the Father do. For whatever He does, the Son also does in like manner. In essence, Jesus is saying, I'm God. I don't do anything unless the Father does it. And when I see the Father do it, I then do it. John 10, uh, Jesus prays for the disciples. Jesus prays not only for the disciples, but he prays for the church and he prays for humanity to understand that uh, there is a oneness about believers. If you put your faith in Jesus, Jesus prayed for you that you would be one just as he and the Father are one. In John chapter 10, Jesus claims uh, to be God because he says the the Father and I are one. So I want your church to be one as well. Uh, Jesus says, I have been at work uh, since always. Uh, I kind of paraphrased that there. Uh, I don't think that's proper English. I've been at work since always, but that's really what it is with Jesus. He's been at work forever, since the beginning of time, forever, even before the beginning of time. Jesus was at work. Uh, two portions of Scripture. Uh, half of you guys can turn to one, and the other half of you can turn to the other. Can someone please turn uh, to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. And when you get it, please read it. Or if you haven't memorized, please declare it in a deep voice. In the Okay, that was close. That was close. No, 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 no. That's my Bible. That's Your Bible says it's wrong. Olivia. No, not quite. Turn in your Bible. Well, what did you say, Sam? God created the heavens and the earth. Thank you. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Or say it like this. Boom. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Good. In the beginning. No, that's, that's Barack Obama's voice. It's time. All right. Now turn. Someone turn to Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. Colossians 1, 16. We're being interactive. We're talking about activities tonight. Colossians 1, 16. Read it. Read it. All right, guys. Look, listen up. Sam has it. Solid. You guys catch that? All things that were made were made through Him. Who's Him? Jesus Christ. So in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. All things that were made were made through Him. You combine those things together plus John 1.1 1, 1, and all of John chapter 1 telling us who Jesus is. We see that Jesus is involved in the very fabric of creation. Okay, since the beginning of our time and since the eternity, Jesus has been working, and nothing that was made was made except through Him. Jesus is the Creator of all things, and here's the cool thing: He is continuing that creating work today. Okay, Jesus is continuing His creating work today. You're like, wait, does that mean God's creating more planets and more galaxies? No, no, that's not what I'm saying, but what did he do? He made something new. There had never been a universe. There had never been an earth. There had never been an Adam or an Eve or trees and plants and creepy crawlies. Jesus made it all. And he made it there and he made it new. And Jesus is making things new today. He is continuing his work today. And uh, I think that's really cool. So Jesus' activities 
prove His divinity. Chapter 5, verse 20 says this, For the Father loves the Son and shows Him all things that He Himself does, and He will show Him the greater works than these that you may marvel. What he's saying here is he's not saying, I'm going to show you the greater works that you may marvel. God God didn't create Captain America or Spider-Man or the Fantastic Four. It's a different marvel. Okay? God is hinting here. Jesus is hinting in his dialogue with the Pharisees. He's hinting at one of his greatest activities. And it's the resurrection. His death and his resurrection. And the new life that we have and the salvation that we have as a result of his death and his resurrection. Jesus is hinting at this. And in that activity alone, he proves his divinity. Okay? So the very first point... Recap a little bit. Very first point was Jesus's activity proves his divinity. Okay, we're moving on to the second point. See, we're we're, going to get through this pretty quick tonight. The second point is Jesus's availability proves his divinity. Jesus is the giver of life. Verse twenty-one says this: For the Father. Or, for as the Father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the Son gives life to whom He will. Jesus is not talking about a metaphorical life here. He's not talking about a life that's spiritually dead and that's made new in Christ and now is alive. That happens. That's great. But Jesus is actually literally talking about raising people from the dead. Okay? Uh, that happens in the Bible a lot. Um, if you look in the Old Testament, you're going to see it three times. Um, and it's in those books that are labeled the Kings, uh, First and Second Kings. Uh, we see three times that God raises people from the dead. The first time, uh, Elijah raises up a widow's son from death. The next time, a few chapters later, Elijah's protege, Elisha, raises a young boy uh, from the dead. And then the third time, we see a grown man uh, raised to life after coming in contact with the bones of Elijah. Okay? So, dead man's bones raise someone to life. That's really cool. It's all by the power of God. Um, and uh, so, we see, and I think this is really important. When I, when I found this out, this is really important. We see three times in the Old Testament, a kid raised from the dead, a kid raised from the dead, a full-grown person raised from the dead. Okay? That's how God works. Now, let's jump to the New Testament. Okay? We see Jesus and Jesus' ministry. And we see Jesus three times raising people from the dead. Okay? The first time, he raises a child from the dead. The second time, he raises a child from the dead. The third time we see Jesus raise someone from the dead is his buddy Lazarus, who is a full-grown man. Okay? Jesus does the exact same work the Father does. God the Father, working in the Old Testament, kid, kid, man, raised from the dead. Jesus in his ministry in the New Testament, kid, kid, man. It's amazing stuff. And here's the thing. Jesus also uh, raises and gives new life to us as well. Jesus himself rose from the dead. The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit is him who raised Jesus from the dead. The power of the Holy Spirit. And here's the cool thing. That same power is in each and every single one of us. Okay? Jesus was available. So here's the mini-sermon off this. Each and every single one of you, if you put your faith in Jesus, that same power of the Holy Spirit is in you. And you have the opportunity to raise people from death to life by the power of the Holy Spirit. Does that mean you're going to go to a hospital and lay your hand on a dead person and they raise from the dead? It could. Very much could. Okay, That stuff still happens today. But here's another opportunity. You can have an opportunity to talk to someone who's dead. Remember what Ephesians said? It said we're all dead in our sin. We're all dead in our trespasses until God comes and makes us new. Well, hey, God's in you and God will use you to raise people from the dead if you are just making yourself available. So make yourself available. Mini sermon in the sermon. Okay. Uh, Jesus uh, is all about availability. And so this is what he does. Um, verse 22, he goes on to say this, For the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son, that all should honor the Son, just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son, does not honor the Father who sentenced, uh, or who sent him. What they do is they're blaming Jesus, and they're accusing Jesus of blasphemy. Jesus is claiming to be God. But what Jesus does, is I love this when Jesus does this, Jesus always changes things up. Okay? Someone says something to Jesus, Jesus throws them the curveball. Okay? They're blaming Jesus for blasphemy, but Jesus just throws it right back in their face and calls them blasphemers. He says, hey, 
If you deny the Son, then you deny the Father. And if you deny the Father, then that's blasphemy. You can't say, well, I love God, but I don't want anything to do with this Jesus person. How many of you guys have heard that before? I love God. Like, God's great. Yeah, I know there's a God, but I don't know about Jesus, okay? I don't get that whole Jesus thing. Here's the thing. You can't love God and not love Jesus. You can think you love God, but you don't love God unless you love Jesus and have put your faith in Jesus Christ. It's all about Jesus. And we're going to continue just on that point just a second. But uh, God, um, uh, God is doing uh, a crazy thing through Jesus at this point. Because uh, he's changing uh, the way these folks understood reality. Okay, The gospel writers of Luke and of Mark tell us also uh, that you can't like God and not want Jesus. It does not work. They say that if you hate Jesus, then you hate God the Father. Uh, and this was warping minds uh, for people in the first century. Um, but here's the reality. There's no situation in which someone can receive eternal life, spend an eternity with God without Jesus. Okay, It's impossible. John chapter 14, verse 6 says that no man comes to the Father but by Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Verse 24 through 27. Go on to say, Most certainly I say to you, He who hears my word and believes in him who sent me will have everlasting life and shall come into judgment, but what has passed from death to life. Most assuredly I say to you, The hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear it will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life himself and has given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the Son of Man. Here's the thing. When it comes to life and when it comes to death, as a believer in Christ, we should have no fears in this life. Okay? We, we don't have to fear anything. If you put your faith in Jesus, you legitimately have to fear nothing. And you especially don't have to fear death. Uh, death is a scary thing if you don't have Jesus. Um, I heard the story once of um, the pastor uh, whose neighbor was a priest. And um, the pastor was getting old and the priest was getting old as well. And uh, the pastor was on his deathbed and knew knew he was going. Knew he was going. And uh, same with the priest. But uh, the priest, it was, a lot of, it was a lot different situation for the priest. You see, all these folks were gathered over with the pastor people from his family, people from his church, and they were just praying with him and worshiping God, and it was going to be a joyous thing as he was passing on into the next life. But then there were a few people over at the priest's house, but all the people who were at the pastor's house could hear what was going on at the priest's house because this priest was laying in bed who had dedicated his life to serve God but never actually knew God and never actually had a relationship with God. And he was lying on his bed, screaming at the top of his lungs, Screaming at the top of his lungs, God, I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to go to hell. And he, and he died screaming. And uh, the pastor passed on nice and smooth and whatnot. But the whole the whole gist of it is, um, there's no fear in death if you have your faith in Jesus Christ. If you've put your faith in Jesus, remember, you can't get to heaven without Jesus. But man, if you put your faith in Jesus, there's legitimately no fear in death. So that being said, we as Christians here in America today, we have nothing to fear. We don't have to fear economic downfall and crisis. We don't have to fear terrorist groups. We don't have to fear ISIS. We don't have to fear that. We don't have to fear Ebola. We don't have to fear all these different things. We don't have to fear that kind of stuff. Now, use wisdom that, like, don't go to an Ebola-infested area and just run around like, oh, look at me, I'm good, you know? Um, that's just foolish, but you don't have to fear it, okay? Because fear cripples, okay? Fear cripples you, and if you allow fear to creep in, it'll suck up your life. And God says, hey, I've got life. You can live life because the Father who has life and who can give life has given it to me, the Son, I, Jesus. I also can give life. And if you put your faith in Jesus, you have that life. And you don't have to fear anything. The last few verses, 
we're going to finish up here in the next 10 minutes or so. They go on to say this. Do not marvel at this. Because here's the thing. Uh, I think as Jesus was saying these things, if these guys wanted to kill Jesus because he said a few things, the more he's talking, I think the more frustrated they're getting. And you know, have you guys ever got to that point where you're so frustrated, you don't look frustrated anymore, you just look so surprised that you're like going to pass out? Have you guys ever got to that place where you're so frustrated, you're just like in awe, like in like shock? Anyone been there? Yeah. These guys are probably freaking out. Jesus is like, I don't want you to marvel at this stuff. Okay? Like, this isn't like, this is pretty basic. It's nothing big. And Jesus says, um, I don't want you to marvel for an hour is coming in which all who are in their graves will hear uh, his voice and come forth. Those who have done good, they will go to the resurrection of life. And for those who have done evil, to the resurrection of condemnation. I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous, because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. Here's the thing. Jesus claimed in verse 27 to be the Son of Man. What does this mean? This is a phrase, Son of Man. Uh, it's used 12 times in the book of John. Uh, it's used 80 times collectively in the four Gospels. Uh, and this phrase, Son of Man, is something that everyone would have understood. Everyone would have known what he was talking about. Uh, when, when he said, I am the Son of Man, people would have been like, oh, oh, okay, that's pretty intense. Because the phrase, Son of Man, has a messianic quality about it. Uh, if we had time, we'd flip back to Daniel chapter 7, and, and Daniel has this vision where he gets uh, caught up and he sees this man who was like the, like the Son of God, uh, and who was referred to as the Son of Man, and on that person is just so much light and splendor, and God gives him all the power to judge, all the power to rule, all the power to reign, uh, and all the power to save humanity. Daniel sees this and prophesies this and writes about this. So the Pharisees knew all this stuff, and so when Jesus claimed to be that Son of Man, they would have freaked out. It would have been a bad day for Jesus if... If he wasn't on a timeline, if he wasn't God and he claimed that, if, if he wasn't God and he claimed that, he probably would have been killed right there on the spot. But here's a little fun thing about this. Daniel was the one who wrote about the Son of God. Daniel's name means God judges. Uh, and Daniel was able to see the one uh, whom was going to be the judge of God. So let's just review real quick. Our first point was Jesus' activity proves his divinity. The second point was Jesus' availability proved his divinity. And now our third point is Jesus' authority proves his divinity. He has all authority. Okay, He just claimed to be the Son of Man. He just claimed to be the God, the Messiah. He just claimed to be it all. Uh, the Bible tells us that one day all peoples will worship God. Uh, Philippians chapter 1 verse 9 says that he is elevated above all else and that at his name every knee will bow and every tongue will confess those who are alive, those who are dead, who are on the earth, who are below the earth. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Here's the thing. Uh, this, this is, it's just crazy. Jesus is God and every single living being is going to declare he's Christ and he is God. Acts chapter 10 verse 42 uh, is a story of Cornelius. How many of you guys remember the story of Cornelius? Peter goes to Cornelius' house uh, and he's the first Gentile who receives Jesus. Um, but Cornelius says Jesus or, um, it was appointed judge to rule. Here's the thing. Um, the question to be asked. If every knee will bow and if every tongue will confess. Jesus' authority proves his divinity. Uh, will you declare that Jesus Christ is Lord in life and go to heaven or you'll be one of the people who declare that Jesus Christ is Lord in death and on your way to judgment. There's a theology in the church that's come about nowadays that everyone goes to heaven because love wins. It's great. Okay, cool, fun. Uh, that you can give your heart to Jesus on earth, you go to heaven, and that you get a second chance after you die when every knee bows and every tongue confesses Jesus Christ is Lord. Then eventually everyone gets to heaven. That's a lie. Okay? Uh, that's a heresy. It's more than a lie. It's a heresy. It's a lie from hell. Um, and it's crazy. Uh, love does win, uh, but love is uh, just as well. Uh, and there, there's no second chances after you die. Here's the thing. If you die aside from faith in Jesus Christ, you are going to spend an eternity in hell. Uh, this doesn't get talked about a lot in church. People don't like to talk about judgment in church. People don't like to talk this kind of stuff in church. But it's a very uh, real reality. Is that a double-double? Like a real reality. Uh, but there is a heaven and a hell. Uh, and 
You can either declare Jesus as Lord in this life and spend eternity with him, or on your way to judgment, on your way to flames, you will bow to your knee. Here's the thing. Verse 29 talks, and and, and this is something that people are like, whoa, what do you mean you have to have Jesus? Because it says in verse 29 that if you've done good, you get the resurrection of life. You get eternal life if you've done good. That's not what it means. When it's saying good and evil here, uh, you have to take every verse in Scripture within the context of what it is being about. If you do not do that, then you have a pretext, and that's not good. Okay, You need to take the Scripture in its context. The context for verse 29, when it's talking about the good and the evil, the good that is done and the evil that is done, you've got to bounce back to verse 23 all the way up through verse 27. What it's talking about is the good that you do is deciding to follow Jesus. And the evil is rejecting Jesus, thus rejecting God. Does that make sense? So the good that's being talked about here is not good works. Because the Bible tells us it's... We're, we're not saved by works. It's by grace you have been saved through faith, not of your works, lest anyone should boast. No, your works don't... Your greatest works, the greatest works. Mother Teresa, great person, did amazing things. Her greatest works are considered filthy rags unto God. That's what the Bible tells us. The greatest works any man or woman can do is still filthy compared to God. And it's only through the cleansing of His blood that our garments are washed and made as white as snow. So it's all about Jesus. We can't take it out of context. Verses 29 and 30 go on to say um, that there's a resurrection to life and that there's a resurrection to condemnation and that Jesus is the judge. Um, There's two resurrections talked about here and there's very real uh, two resurrections. First, there's a resurrection of life uh, that's mentioned here and in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 where we are told not be ignorant about those who have gone before us uh, but that there will be a day when the dead in Christ will rise when God shows up in the clouds and the voice of a mighty trumpet goes in the moment the twinkling of the eye we will be caught up and we will be with Christ in heaven. First, the dead in Christ will rise first. So that means anyone who is a Christian they will rise from the grave not zombies but they will just pop up and they'll be in heaven with God, and we will meet them in the air in this glorious thing that we believe in the church called the rapture. It's the Greek word, we will be harpazoed. Okay? Everyone say harpazoed. Uh, a little fun note for you. People are like, well, you can't believe in the rapture because the word rapture is not in the Bible anywhere. You're right, it's not. Okay? Uh, it's not. It's not in the Greek, it's not in the Hebrew either. It was in the Latin, and it's the word raptos, which is the Latin translation of the Greek word harpazo, which happens throughout Scripture. And so we will be harpazoed to meet Jesus in the air. Pretty cool thing. Completely other subject. If only you guys were youth kids. We're going through the book of Revelation right now with our youth. It's great. Lots of fun. But the other resurrection that's talked about is that resurrection when those who were uh, who were evil, those who did wrong, those who did not have Jesus, they are resurrected to go face judgment at what is called the great white throne judgment. You can read all about it in Revelation if you want. We don't have time tonight. I only have five more minutes. Um, so people need to hear this. We shouldn't uh, we shouldn't just skip over this kind of stuff. Uh, judgment, uh, heaven and hell, and church. It's a very real thing. But but here's also a real thing. People shouldn't be scared into going to heaven. Uh, it shouldn't be used as like a scare tactic. You better do this! Or else you're not going to go to heaven. That might be how it starts. But here's the thing. People should be persuaded into eternal life with Jesus and eternal life in heaven uh, by a genuine love for Christ. Yeah, it might start with fear, but hopefully that fear works its way into a genuine relationship that's centered on love and on the love of Christ. Because really that's what it's all about. Um, Here's the thing. We also, Jesus just told us that we also, if you put your faith in Jesus, you will also be judged. Um, all the works of your life will be judged. And I don't know if you're like me, um, but I've got a wild imagination. And I, I assume some of you are like me. Uh, but when I hear this, that my whole life is going to be put on display and judged, uh, I have this really awkward imagination. Uh, and it's like this thing, like we're in heaven, And uh, all of the Christians throughout history are all in this gigantic line. Uh, And when it's your turn, you like step out of the line, you walk up and there's this gigantic like Omnimax theater screen. And then God's like standing at this like little table with a gavel, you know, and you stand there and you have to watch your life. And then like the big booming, it's probably going to be Morgan Freeman's voice. It's like, your life. And it's just like, okay, awesome. And then, like you just see everything and then like slow motion for some parts. You're like, that's embarrassing. I didn't want everyone else in line to see that. And like all just the dirt, dirt, no, the 
dark, dirty secrets of your life, like everything just displayed on the screen, and you have to relive it all. You're like, ah, I don't want to relive that. God, thank you. Okay, uh, this isn't really how it happens. Um, but in my mind, that's how it happens. Um, because here's the thing. When we think about that, we're like, okay, we've got to make sure we did enough good, because if God sees enough bad in there, He might not let us into heaven. That's not how it works. The judgment for the believer is not a judgment of wrath. It's not a judgment of condemnation. It's actually a reward, okay? Whereas those who are unbelievers, they go to what is called the great white throne judgment. We as believers, we go to a different throne. We go to the Bema seat judgment. Bema seat is that Greek word referring to our throne of reward, our judgment of reward. It's very much like an Olympic podium where it's like you got your first place your second place your third place and we're going to honor you because of what you did for the lord or what you did for your country you ran the 100 meters so well we're just going to honor you in front of everybody and that's what god does with us if you put your faith in jesus he's going to judge you that way he's going to put you up and he's going to be like look what you have done for me awesome well done my good and faithful servant and if there is a line he's going to be like hey did you all see that that person was awesome and, and Jesus is going to like high-five God, and then we're going to run up and high-five Jesus. We're going to be like, yeah! And he's going to give us a crown, and it's going to be great! And it's really, really cool! And I get jacked about this. Um, and as much as I get jacked and excited about it, uh, it also kind of scares me. Because here's the thing, the Bible tells us that we can get there, and we can... <coughs> God, woohoo, great, you did good, you did good. But we didn't do like really anything with our lives. And because, here's the thing, all the woohoo and everything God gives us a crown, we're told just later on in Scripture that then we take those crowns and we give those back to God as an offering. And so some people, they didn't do a lot. You can be saved and you can just coast through life and do your thing and get to heaven but not really do anything for the Lord. And yeah, you're going to get like a little tiara, like, good work, you did it. And God's going to be stoked and you're going to be a little bit stoked but then you look and you're like, wow, they got, got a really big crown they had a really big crown. And then you go up and you ask them, it's like, well, what would you do? It's like, man, I went up downtown outreach every week. It was awesome. I got to lead someone to Jesus. Yeah, you know, I served in the nursery. It was great. And then you're like, man, I just I gave my heart to the Lord, and then I just sat in the back in church. I didn't think anything of it. I just wanted to be saved. Here's the thing. You can show up empty-handed. You're still in heaven, and that's a rejoice. Okay, that's a rejoice. It shouldn't be taken lightly. You're in heaven. That's awesome. But here's the thing. You can show up empty-handed. And I I know me personally, I don't want to show up empty-handed. I don't want to just show up and be like, all right, God, here's my best. It's nothing. Like, I want to do everything I can so that, I mean, I'll be honest. I, I, I want people to be like, wow, nice crown, Matt. And then I, it's like, it's not mine. I'm giving that to God. You guys see what I'm saying? we got to make every opportunity in this life to serve God. Not because we want to gain some sort of earthly, man, look at that guy. Man, Matt, he is so spiritual. No, I don't want none of that. That's that's garbage, okay? Um, it's between me and God. And here's the thing. I want to present to God the best gift that I can. So I want to live my life for Him. Here's the thing. Uh, if Jesus can die for us, I'm going to close with this. And Bo, uh, if you just want to come up, we don't even have to turn the sound system on or anything. Uh, you can just play in the background. I don't even care what song you play. We'll sing whatever you're playing. Um, but here's the thing that I want to close with. And I'm going to invite you guys all just to stand. Um, we're going to pray. We're going to close our eyes and all that fun stuff. Uh, but I want to pose you with this, uh, or, or pose this to you. Um, Something that kind of challenged me, and I think it's a good challenge uh, for us. It's possible for us to show up empty-handed, but we don't have to. We don't have to. Uh, If Jesus can die for us, okay, if Jesus can die for me, if Jesus can die for Corey, for Bo, for Sam, if Jesus can die for any of us, here's the thing. Don't you think we can live for him? Okay, if Jesus can die for us, don't you think we can live for Him? And, 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 and I think that's a fair statement to say. And so I just want to encourage you guys, even this week, even tomorrow, make the most of every opportunity to live for the Lord. Because here's the thing, Jesus is divine. His activity proved His divinity. His availability proved His divinity. And His authority proved His divinity. Here's the thing, you have activities. 
And in those activities, you can share Jesus. You have availabilities, and in your availabilities, you can share Jesus. And here's the thing. Because the Holy Spirit, you put your faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit has taken up residence and lives inside you. Now you have authority. Jesus said, all authority has been given unto me, and now I give it to you. Go. 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 In that authority. Since God's given that authority to us, we can go. And we have that same authority that brings life. So each and every single one of us, we can bring life in any situation in this life. Whether it's in a hurt in someone's heart, whether it's uh, uh, someone sick, whether it's someone, uh, there's anger between people. Regardless of what it is, we can bring life into situations. Okay, You, yourself, can bring life into situations. Take your finger. It's not too late for me to do this. Take your finger, point at yourself and say, I I can can bring life life into situations. situations. Here's the thing. If Christ can die for you, then you can live for Him. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank You so much. God, that You died for us. God, that You saw fit in Your infinite wisdom to provide a way of escape for us. Uh, God, that that You provided uh, grace. Uh, God, that You provided salvation. Uh, God, we thank you so much for that. God, and we pray that, uh, God, because you died for us, God, that we will live for you. God, we don't want to come before you, God, empty-handed. But, God, we want to bring. We want to bring our best. So, God, I pray that you would give us eyes to see, uh, God, opportunities where we can be active in serving you, where we can be active in declaring your name. God, I pray that you would make us available so that we would have the availability to share your name in every situation. God, and we thank you for the authority that you've given us. Just like you, Jesus, you are divine. Because of your authority, because of your activity, God, because of your availability, you proved your divinity. God, we thank you that you loved us and you included us in this plan. So God, we just pray right now for every single one here. God, that we would, God, that we would make a stand uh, for you. God, we would live for you with everything we have. So God, we thank you and we praise you in your son's wonderful and beautiful name, Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's sing this song, Bo.